Awesome. Um, we're starting in on a new series uh, as we approach Easter, and I'll probably keep going on, af- on uh, after Easter, but called Jesus Fascination, um, because Jesus really is fascinating. I think that's m- why some of us are here anyways, because we're fascinated with Jesus. Uh, but people all over this planet, even if they don't go to church and, and uh, uh, are, don't even call themselves Christians, are often fascinated with Jesus. And there's so many reasons why he is just incredibly fascinating. And so we're going to be looking at diff- different aspects of Jesus. In fact, Time Magazine years ago took uh, many data points across uh, just internet and history and books and kind of concluded that Jesus is actually the most uh, influential person who has ever lived on this planet, who ever, ever walked this planet. I think that's fairly easy to see. I mean, we have over 2 billion folks who call themselves Christians today. Uh, yet there's millions of other folks who don't go to church who are still fascinated with Jesus. Uh, there's a large group of people out there who would say they really like Jesus and even follow Jesus, but don't necessarily always follow, show up in church. Uh, he is fascinating. And we see that Jesus is represented across all different cultures. Um, and he is represented in different ways, depending on what uh, your culture is or, or my culture is. Of course, we have sort of the North American rendition of Jesus, which we probably saw in the image I showed earlier. You know, the white guy with long hair and the white robe. Uh, But you go to other cultures, you have different representations of Jesus, like the Korean Jesus. Uh, The the woman caught in adultery and the Pharisees throwing their their stones. And we have the the Japanese uh, nativity scene in the Japanese style. And then we got the, the Ethiopian Jesus. And then we got the, the Indian Jesus, you know, with the nice Indian belly, of course. Uh, you got the Cuban Jesus. We got the Egyptian Jesus. We got the Ghanaian Jesus. What do we else? We got the Filipo, uh, representative of Filipino Jesus here in this, in this painting. And then we have, of course, the famous popular mechanics Jesus, which I think we've showed here before. This was done years ago where uh, popular mechanics said, like, wait a minute, we have all these renditions of Jesus uh, and they kind of took like cultural background of what the average person looked like back in the day. And this is what they figure Jesus most likely looks like. But uh, it, I mean, I don't think Jesus has any problem with the way this world represents him in different ways because he is the incarnational God who, who moved into our neighborhood, who moved into the Jewish culture. And he probably would have looked different if he showed up in a different culture. Uh, but all over this world, folks are are fascinated by him. He is such a fascinating individual. And uh, I want to talk today about the idea of Jesus being a miracle worker because it's pretty clear in the scriptures, if you read the Gospels, that you know we, you constantly see this phrase, people are amazed. <laughs> We're amazed at Jesus because he worked miracles. And uh, most people know him as a, as a miracle worker. And the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed uh, was when he turned water into wine. And this is very important. I mean, a lot of uh, theologians will use this thing called the, the law of first mention or the principle of first mention. And that is when, you know, the, the first time something appears in the Bible that holds a lot of weight. It speaks volumes about what is about to happen. And the same is true with Jesus' first miracle. It really sets the stage for what's going to happen with Jesus and his ministry and his life. And let me just take a moment to read it. It said, There was a wedding celebration 
in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, and they had long weddings, uh, sometimes up to seven days long. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied, the time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. See, moms always know their sons well, and mom knew that he was going to help. And, G- and Jesus was good. He was a good son because he listened to his mom. Uh, I always wanted to do a sermon like that. Listen to your mom. We could use this passage. <laughs> and standing nearby were six stone water jars, each used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons of, of, um, 30 gallons of water. And these were used to, for pur- purification. They were part of uh, the faith at that time that before you ate or be, if you wanted to become pure because you got impure from the things of the day, you would wash yourself to make yourself pure. And Jesus takes these these religious vessels, and Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, which was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. Jesus is master winemaker. Uh, made very good wine. Uh, this miraculous sign was in Canaan and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. They were amazed at him. Uh, Jesus reveals his glory by making wine which, and desecrating these religious vessels, which kind of shows that Jesus was actually more interested in, 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 in having fun or you know, in people enjoying themselves than keeping up the religious laws. Uh, because he purposely, uh, he takes these religious icons and he, in a sense, desecrates them. <laughs> At least that's the way the religious system would see, because he fills them with wine for a party. And he does this specifically because... It says they ran out of wine, which means there were all kinds of empty wine vessels. Why didn't Jesus choose the vessels that were empty, that were already empty, and have them filled with wine? No, he he specifically chooses these religious vessels because part of the ministry of Jesus was he came to reform religion. He came to reform it, which was so based in laws and so based in in, uh, you know, o- obedience rather than flowing in love and in principle. And we'll, we'll probably do a message on that because there's another reason why Jesus is fascinating. But we also see in this that Jesus, he does this miracle because he, he, he completely takes the shame away from the groom. I mean, it was important for the groom and his family to have enough wine for the, the, the whole celebration because he's impressing the, the family of the bride and needs to impress his new bride and he runs out of wine. And this would have been very shameful in that culture because this culture, just like some cultures today, were very based in hospitality. And Jesus sees this, and I think this is probably the main reason he does this because Jesus, all through his ministry, is in the business of taking people's shame away. And this first miracle shows us not only that is he going to challenge the religious system, but he's going to take shame and he's going he's to push it away from people's lives and remove it out of people's lives as he goes and he ministers to the people that the religious system was shaming. The people caught in adultery, the 
prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, and he removes these shame from these folks that the religious system had put on them. And so this first miracle shouts of what Jesus is and who he is and what he's about to do. It's a very important first miracle that Jesus performs. And this is when his disciples really begin to think, there's something to this Jesus guy. But by four, uh, most of all, we see healing miracles. If you read through the Gospels, you see all of these hero, uh, healing miracles. And Matthew's Gospel highlights the healing ministry of Jesus more than any other Gospel. And so we see like in Matthew 4, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began to uh, bringing to him all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease or if they were demon possessed or epileptic, ep epileptic or paralyzed and it says he healed them all. And it just seems like hundreds of people were coming to Jesus uh, with all kinds of issues and, and, and Matthew says he heals them all. And not only there but we see this theme later in Matthew where it says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak and many others. They laid them before Jesus and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Again, this, this fascination, as I think all of us would be, <laughs> if you know, Jesus were here and every single sick person we could find and all the kootenies that we brought them before Jesus and Jesus healed every single one. I mean, that, that's impressive. This is why people are fascinated with Jesus. And the crowd was amazed, it says. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see again. And we see this theme throughout the Gospels that never did Jesus, you know, Look at someone and say, sorry, you know, I'm not going to heal you. Or sorry, you know, actually my will for you is actually you to stay sick. It's, it always says he heals them. That every single person that came to Jesus with an open heart or anybody whom the Father led Jesus to, Jesus healed. And, and, and again, Jesus came to reveal the heart of God, which shows us beyond any shadow of a doubt that God has a heart for healing. That God wants to see folks healed. And we, we see this testimony throughout the Gospels. In the, in the book of Luke, uh, he mentions this as well. He says, there were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So, so the news about Jesus is spreading. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have social media back in those days, but they had word of mouth. And, and man, when this person was healed, that word got out and it was starting to spread. And so more and more people were flocking to Jesus. And they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And that's what we're going to talk about next week because the other reason they were fascinated by him was his incredible wisdom and his teaching. So they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him. And again, it says he healed everyone. Incredible. The miracles that flowed out of the life of Jesus. And and I don't know, but sometimes I'm like, you know, man, it'd just be nice for Jesus to show up here because, you know, there are things in my body that aren't working right and pretty much everybody in our culture seems to have issues with their body and wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus healed all of us? <laughs> you know, we, we hope that and, 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 and we wish for more miracles, but that doesn't mean that, but 
the, the weird thing is that miracles still happen. Maybe they don't happen as much as we'd want or as much as we'd hope, as much as we pray for, but, but it seems that Jesus still at times releases these incredible miracles of healing at times. Uh, these things that are very well attested and, and unexplained. And we've talked about lots before, but here's just some I don't think we've ever talked about. Uh, like Jean-Pierre, 1987. This guy, uh, he, came, he was a, uh, an emergency nurse, and he came down with MS. And it gradually got worse and worse over the years until he was, he was totally, completely bound to a wheelchair. And for years, he was stuck in this wheelchair, and he was, his condition was getting worse and worse and worse. And he traveled in 1987 to a, it was a, a Roman Catholic church that had been known that the, the odd healing had happened there. And he shows up there in his wheelchair and he goes through the ceremony of healing. And there's a prayer, a sacrament of healing that happened over him. And during that process, he, he feels the sensation all over his body. Uh, something spiritual is happening. And he felt more peace than he had ever had in his life. And, and, but his healing didn't happen in that moment. He left and that night, he, he just, this feeling it was just continually over his body. And over the next day, he, he decided he could just stand up and he walked. And he never had to go in a wheelchair again. Uh, he, he was completely healed. And of course, this was investigated by the medical folks. And the International Medical Committee of the town he was healed in said, such a cure is not just unusual, but inexplicable. I mean, it seems that sometimes the same kind of miracles that happened in Jesus' day you know, pop up today during prayer or ministering the Holy Spirit to, to folks. You know, another uh, well-attested case was uh, Emma McKinley in 2011. Uh, her, her story was 1993. She was at work and she fell uh, off this platform and, and got this incredible nerve damage, which got worse and worse. And she ended up in a, with a progressive nerve disorder, ended up in a wheelchair. She needed full-time care. Her left hand was closed into a fist. She was unable to open. Her neck and spine twisted that left her, uh, leaving her body in an awkward position. And if you see pictures of her, she was like in her wheelchair like this. All She couldn't even get up and it was all twisted and, and tangled up. Uh, her full-time caregiver for 18 years said she could not walk at all. She was in her wheelchair 24-7 with the exception of toileting. And then what happened? Uh, when she was just one night... Uh, she was a believer. She was constantly praying for healing and it didn't, didn't seem to happen year after year after year. But this one night, she, she falls out of her wheelchair on the floor and she, she was just always in incredible pain. Her caregiver wasn't there. And all of a sudden she has, whether it was real or a vision, it seemed to be a very powerful vision of Jesus. And Jesus seemed to show, show up in, in this room and uh, she explains it this way. And of course, she is, actually gets completely healed from it. Uh, but she says, I knew who that was. And this vision or Jesus kind of appears to her. Our human eyes can hardly look at it. it. It's so bright white. I couldn't see it, but I could feel that left foot going from this position to this position. Jesus was straightening out that crooked foot. I knew my neck was being straightened. My spine was being straightened. That left hand that had been clenched fist, a clenched fist for over 18 years, Jesus started to take those fingers and open them up. I could take that hand and I could flex it and use my fingers. Jesus was, not, was now kneeling on one knee beside me and he extended his hand out to me asking for mine. And then we stood up together and even though the bones were sounding and cracking like crazy, he still had a hold of my hands. 
Then I knew I had to start walking and use those feet and legs again, and I did. And, and as she walks out of this room, her son, son is in the other room, and, and his testimony is, I, I can see down the hallway a little bit, and here she comes walking, and it's like, no way! I hadn't seen my mom out of a wheelchair since my wedding in 1993, and that moment everything I knew was different, because she's supposed to be in a chair, but she's walking. It was a surreal moment seeing her walk. It's like, it's... Uh, it's a miracle and there's nothing else it could be and 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 she never had to go in a wheelchair again like these these, these crazy healings that seem to be like that's what happened in Jesus day and, and sometimes they they still pop up uh, in today's day and then you have beyond just healing if you read through the, the gospel stories uh, you see even you know more incredible stories of healing like in Matthew 9 it says that a leader of a synagogue came and knelt before Jesus. And he says, my daughter has just died. He said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hands on her. And so, I mean, the news had so spread that this guy is just like, man, you've healed everyone. Surely you can heal my daughter who has just died. And so Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up to him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Like, it's just, this woman just had to touch Jesus. Like, this, this healing power was so immense in his life that, that these folks, she just touched Jesus, and she was healed. And so when he arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. And so when someone passed away in that culture, they would, you know, there was kind of these almost professional mourners who would come along to your home and they would, you know, wail and throw ash on their head and play uh, music at times. And, and Jesus said, get out. He told them, the girl isn't dead, but only asleep. And it's a common phrase used in the Bible that when someone in Jesus dies, it's, they just say they're sleeping because I mean, Jesus, from an internal perspective, when we die, it's just like walking through a doorway. It's not like it's the end. And so Jesus says, eh, she's just asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew, uh, supposedly in the story, that she, that she was dead. And after the crowd was put out, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept throughout the entire countryside. And that's not the only time. Of course, we have the raising of Lazarus and we have other stories of Jesus actually raising the dead. And we're like, no way. I mean, that's just, those stories seem so crazy. We're like, that can't be true. But then you just look at modern miracle stories and it seems that there, there's actually a whole book written filled with sort of modern since Jesus time till now of these stories supposedly of people being raised from the dead. And some of them are actually fairly well attested. Uh, I mean, this one happened uh, uh, not too long ago, I think about five, six years ago. Uh, this guy by the name of John Smith, probably the most plain name you could ever think of, John Smith. That was his name. He was 14 years old, but he was playing with his buddies on the lake, and he fell through into the water, and his friends couldn't rescue him, so they had to uh, phone the rescue folks. He was under the water for more than 15 minutes, and they put him out, and he didn't have a heartbeat. He wasn't breathing. They brought him to the hospital. And for uh, 40 plus minutes, uh, he didn't have a heartbeat. And the doctors were working on him, working on him. As one doctor said, there was no spontaneous respirations, no heart tones. In essence, he was cold and he was dead and he was gone. 
And uh, it was almost an hour. And then his mom finally gets to the hospital and comes in and begins to pray. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his heart begins to beat. And he comes back to life. Uh, I mean, this is an amazing story of a miracle, but this is a hard story as well because there's you know, thousands of other moms who've been in the same situation praying and there was no miracle. But that's the weird thing about today. It's just like sometimes they don't happen, but sometimes they do. And in this case, uh, he came uh, right back to life and, and it was, you know, testified this, this, this is a miracle. <laughs> and there's a lot of stories out there if you just do a little uh, research that seem to be very well attested of these similar miracles of God doing these incredible Jesus-like things even in today's world. And this um, was actually, uh, a whole book was written on that story. As another doctor said, he called it a bona fide miracle. He said, no, there's no explanation for how he came back to life. And he was fine. There was no, just being no effects brain-wise or anything uh, in, in his life. And then, so we not only have these healing miracles or, you know, water into wine or raising the dead, but then we have these miracles where Jesus seemed at times to actually be able to affect the weather. Uh, not just people. As this famous story in Mark 4, it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And this is you know the story of all of our lives. We're freaking out. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And it's an incredible miracle. Like the weather actually, it, it goes calm. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. So it's one thing to like, like heal people, but all of a sudden like, nature is, is obeying this Jesus guy. I mean, and it's not the only time he does these weather miracles. And it's like, this guy really is a miracle worker, which is why so many of us are fascinated by him. Because it's like, where else in history did all of this stuff happen like that? And again... We seem to see modern stories where we would hope, I mean, I think all of us have prayed, Jesus, make it sunny today because it's my wedding and it rains. Or, you know, we pray for weather miracles. They don't always happen, but sometimes God releases weather miracles even today. I mean, just a couple, uh, five years or so ago, there was a story that wasn't quite well known of a weather miracle in, uh, in the 1040 window where there were some Christians doing a private baptism because... You know, uh, the radical Muslims and militants in that area, if they found out you were converting to Christianity, you were in deep trouble, as in dead. Uh, so they were doing a secret baptism. And they baptized about 25 people, and they had this little bus that went to this really private spot. And on their way home, somehow the, the word got out, and the militants found them, and they began to chase down their, their bus. And uh, as they were running away in the bus, all of a sudden this it's just like a, just, just as they were shooting at the bus and about to be wiped out, this crazy dust storm swept in and cut off the militants from being able to chase the bus, and they actually got away. Um, it was uh, talked about quite a bit, and so it still seems that these weather miracles are released at times. And you know, again, we would like, you know, Jesus healed every single person. Man, I wish that was still the way that way. <laughs> 
I think it's Jesus' heart because that seems to be God's heart, but you know, I'm not Jesus and you're not Jesus. We can't pray the way he is, but we certainly try and we pray in faith and sometimes miracles are released. And we've had some uh, of those miracles happen in, in this church. And then we got these weird miracles that I think Jesus had a good sense of humor. I know some religion, religious people don't like thinking about Jesus being funny, but I think he was funny because he does some weird miracles. Like when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Ah, that seems funny to me. I mean, it's like, imagine if you came up to me for healing and I spit in your eyes. I mean, okay, maybe that's not funny. Maybe it's rude. But uh, I mean, Jesus did these weird miracles that, because I think Jesus was trying to remind us that there's not one system. Because we love systems and we love formulas and this is the way you pray to be healed and this is what you've got to believe and this is what you got to test. Like Jesus healed people in all different ways including spitting in someone's eyes and, uh, and he couldn't see anything right away. It would be prayed for twice probably maybe because they were spitting his eyes. I don't know. Uh, but then you see uh, like this time in, in Matthew 21 Jesus noticed a fig tree beside the road and he over to see if there were any figs but there were only leaves. Then he said to it May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withers up. Imagine if you did that to fruit trees in your garden that weren't, you know, where are my cherries? You know. Jesus could do those kind of things. But, you know, this was a prophetic word, of course, to the whole idea of Jerusalem and the religious system, that the religious system was not producing fruit because it, it got quite corrupt and Jesus was reforming it. So this was kind of a, a, a prophetic image of the religious system. And then... Um, if you see Jesus as a practical joke, which sometimes I do, maybe, maybe you don't, but I think this was slash a miracle lesson slash practical joke on his disciples. And this is when the disciples were in trouble, far away, they're out in the lake and there's a storm and they're thinking they're gonna die and they were frightened and it says about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking in the water, they were terrified in fear and they cried out, oh, it's a ghost. I mean, Jesus had a lot of options here. He could have calmed the storm from the shore. He could have maybe popped into their boat. But as he's thinking about this, like, what if I walk on the water? Because that would really scare them. And if you're buddies with people, I mean, I got my friends. It's fun to scare people sometimes. And maybe Jesus thought this was a good idea. But maybe it had nothing to do with being funny. Maybe it was just a lesson. But this is an incredible miracle. One of his most famous miracles of Jesus walking on the water. And this miracle was not just him, but Peter kind of gets to step into these miracles of Jesus and he begins to walk on the water at least for a moment. And this is the beauty of following Jesus. It's just as Peter could step into the miracles of Jesus, we can step into the miracles of Jesus. And there are times when Jesus will release miracles in our own lives or allow us to do miraculous things. And then lastly, the most famous miracle of all is, of course, Jesus rising from the tomb. Early on Sunday morning, he he rises from the dead. And this is like, you know, God saying, vindicating all those people who doubted Jesus, vindicating all the religious leaders that said he wasn't who he, who he says he is. And this is like, yep, I'm the real thing. And if he can do that, then imagine what he can do in his life. And again, this miracle of resurrection was not just for Jesus, but just as we can partake in some of these, like Peter walking in the water as Jesus is walking in the water, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, there's part of us that takes part in that miracle. The supernatural 
thing that happens with us when we follow Jesus, that there's something in us that is born again, that is raised to life, that is changed, that is different. As it says in Ephesians 2, he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And notice this is, this is current, not like in the future. <laughs> this, is, this is right now. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That there's something in us, this miraculous part of Jesus, that he has lifted up. And there's part of us that is in the kingdom, that's in the heavenly realms, that is participating in the spiritual world, that we may not see it visually. This is something we recognize with our spirits, that we have been raised with Christ. And therefore, we can participate in this miraculous stuff that happens. We wish more, but it still happens from time to time. 